<laughs> I'm actually one of those people that's always like, I don't want to live to regret. I think a lot of us are like you in our minds. Oh, I don't want to regret, but then lunches have to be made, kids have to go to school, homework has to be done, and then five years goes by and I'm like, shit. Hiya, it's your girl Melina, and welcome to the Don't Forget Your Lipstick podcast. If you're new here, this podcast is not about makeup, but it is about feeling fully confident within yourself to be able to go out there and conquer the world. Now, I'm in my 20s, and for me, feeling confident is all about how I am showing up into this world. For me, that's lipstick, boo. If I got lipstick on, I feel like I got this. I got this. So why not learn from your fave confidence coach, me? New episodes to motivate you to start living your life right now before it's too late. Every Monday morning. Now, a few quick things to mention. These are adult conversations. So heads up, if you've got kids, boyfriends, mom or dad, grandma in the room, now's a good time to put your earphones on. This week, I'm joined with family caregiving expert and author of Plan for Aging Well, Stephanie Erickson. We chat about aging, why young people need to focus on their body, mind, and soul, and how to overcome your anxieties to live your life without regret. Because, yo, I don't know about you, but we are all getting old. By the way, I recorded this episode on Instagram Live right here in my living room. Enjoy! Hi, Stephanie. Hello. How are you? I got. I put my lipstick on too late. Put some on. Yes, put some on. Look, look how big this is. Everyone's like <laughs> freaking out how big my lipstick tube is. We look the same. We got the big curls going. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's true. I love it. I'm joined today with Stephanie Erickson. She's a family caregiving expert and new author. Congratulations. Thank you. Of Plan for Aging Well, and I can't wait to get into the book. Um, but I want us to maybe start off, I want you to maybe talk about you and why you got into, I guess, the business of caregiving, and then we'll go into the book. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always just from a little girl been very sensitive to other people's experiences. I think part of it is I was abused as a young child. My dad left and disappeared for a while, so I had a lot of trauma myself. And that just has always made me very sensitive and very aware of how other people are feeling. So it's really no, no, no mystery why I got into social work. Um, in fact, most of the people in the helping profession like social work have had trauma themselves. And so they turn around and try and, you know, help others. Um, in terms of, you know, falling into the caregiving realm, the last thing I wanted to do when I started my social work program was work with older adults. I actually chose the children track. Because I was like, Ugh, I don't want to be around older adults, which kind of speaks to one of the things I'm trying to change now is the way in which we perceive old, older adults, actually. So I was one of those people who were like, yuck, I don't want to be around old people. And then I started working as a palliative care social worker, and many of my clients were older. And I started realizing the beauty and the gifts 
in this population and how I had really, like society does, pushed them aside, undervalued them or didn't value them at all. And they were so rich with experience and love and so much to give. And so then that kind of led me into the world of working with seniors and older adults, which inevitably you're working with caregiving caregivers because, you know, older adults tend to need some sort of assistance. How did you get into from like young people to, to seniors? Like how did that, how did, was there like an incident that made you go like, okay, wait, I, I think I want to do this. Well, I mean, I was the palliative care social worker, so it started to open up my mind to older adults experiences. But truthfully, when I moved from California to Montreal, I just needed to get a job. That's all I was looking to do. And so, and I needed to get a work permit because my residency wasn't established. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna just take anything and just get settled and figure out what do social workers do in Montreal? A socialized system, I know nothing about this and I have to pass my French test, so how am I gonna do this? I got two part-time jobs. One was at a home care agency serving older adults and one was with Jewish Family Services focused on school programming. And it was two part-time jobs and I did both for a while. And then at the same time, they both offered me full time. And then I was kind of at this pivotal moment of what do I wanna do? And I just felt pulled to working with older adults, made that switch. And I'm so glad I did it because I sit so much better in this place now. And I, I really do love the work that I'm doing. Before we do talk about the work that you do, I, I wanna maybe talk about this book and what I guess triggered you to write it. I think I always had it in the back of my head that I wanted to write a book. And certainly my husband for many, many years has been telling me, you have so much to say, you have to put it down. He probably wanted me to stop talking to him <laughs> yeah. on paper. Um, <laughs> I started writing it back when my kids were younger and it was just too overwhelming. I had too much stuff going on and I set it aside. And then I think just working in public and private residences, nursing homes for so many years, my level of frustration and disappointment and disgust just was increasing. And I guess last October when I started writing it again, I was like, I cannot take this anymore. Like we need to speak up. We need to, to point out all of our flaws and selfishly, we gotta get this done fast because you know, now I'm 50, like it, I'm gonna blink and I'm gonna be 80. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so now that's what triggered. Now, what is the book about Plan for Aging Well? Um, it's, it's about a few things. One of the key messages is about the way in which we discard older adults as if they don't have any value. And that's a societal problem. We are all about this productivity, like how many people are watching live? How many followers do I have? How many emails have I sent? How many clients have I seen? It's like we all have to do, do, do. And by putting us in this pocket of productivity equals value, seniors, older adults, they can't produce in the same way. And so they're being discarded. So part of it is my talk about, we need to stop devaluing this incredible portion of our population. Another part of the book focuses on how we need to address caring and supporting people's entire body, not just their, their physical body, but the mind and the spirit and the soul, which to me gives us so much more than the physical vessel that we all carry ourselves in anyway. And so our system is really ignoring that piece of us and really just medically based. So part of the book is about that. And then another part is about the concept of team caregiving, that we are not isolated, we're not alone, we're a community. And that's how we should be approaching all of our life, really. And certainly that should continue on as we become older and include everybody in that aging process. Yeah, and obviously, so 
I'm obviously very young. I'm not going to say I'm old. I'm young, and a lot of the people that follow me are young as well. So I, I want you, and the reason why I was so happy to have you on is because, yes, we're talking about older people and aging, but I do believe we also, as young people, need to start thinking about where we're going to be in 30, 40, 50 years, right? So we also need to start thinking about what you're saying right now, which is yeah. the system is broken. We need to think about our seniors and we need to move forward right now. And if for no other reason, Mel, walk into a nursing home tomorrow, go into a public nursing home and, and even some of the privates and see, see what's happening with the individuals that are there. Where are they? What are they doing? Where's the staff? What kind of care they're getting? You're gonna become enraged pretty much 75% of the time. And if you are brave enough to not run away and forget about it, you will start thinking, oh my God, what does this mean for my parents? What does this mean for my grandparents? And eventually, what does it mean for me? And I believe so much, I'm really glad you're doing this for a younger audience because it's the younger, it's the younger people who are changing things. It's the younger people who have done incredible work for the LGBTQ community. Like it's incredible what the younger kids are doing. Now, all the way down to my kids in high school, the, the support and the activism, even at their age. Same thing with the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, all of these movements are young people. Wouldn't it be fabulous if we can get them to care about seniors in the same way and do something positive with all of their energy? How can young people right now ask for more and better? Is it, is it by talking about it? Is it by getting more involved? Is it by, you know protesting, getting out there and being like, this is unacceptable? Well, protesting, we see that it works. It wakes people up, right? Um, news stories certainly wake people up when people come forward and share their stories of, you know, their mom or their grandma who has been somehow abused within the system. That enrages people. But all of these things go away. I think young people can start to get more involved in politics and knowing who the local representatives are where they live, you know, in their communities. And I'm hoping get into the helping profession, go into social work, go into nursing, go into um, nurses AIDS program, go into physiotherapy, occupational therapy, medicine, whatever it might be, but go in with a different mind frame, you know, go in with understanding that we're a whole being, the body, mind, and soul, and then doing something with that education to help change the system once, once you're in it. What does it mean, body, mind, and soul? What does it mean? Okay, so let me ask you a question, Mel. When you yeah. um, are thinking about nothing else, you're truly just in the moment, what are you doing? I feel like, I, I don't know, what am I doing? I don't know what I'd be doing. Well, that's your soul. That's the piece of your soul. So it's a piece where you can imagine someone in the garden, okay? Mm -hmm. and they're doing their gardening and you see a small smile on their face and they're humming and you can tell they're in a zone. They're not thinking about their bills. They're, they're really just in this beautiful zone. That's a person's soul being fulfilled. That's what I mean about the soul and the spirit. Part of it for some people is religion and a faith. And that is absolutely just as essential and important. But I wanted to give that first example so that if people don't feel like they have a religious faith or a connection, um, that that's not what I'm talking about. It's the, it's the moments when we feel like we're truly ourselves mm -hmm. and nothing else in the world matters. That's the spirit and the soul. And that part needs attention as we age. The mind is the part of us that tries to process 
and find meaning and understand our experience. So when you talk about all the things that happened to a single, single girl, right? Mm -hmm. the questions and the yeah. horrible things people <laughs> say to you or ask you or whatever. To me, that's about the psychological piece of it is you trying to make sense of being single in a world of, you know, Tinder and online. I mean, that's probably yeah. old Tinder. I'm probably aging myself, but whatever the new no, online no. apps are. That still works. Tinder okay. still works. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm married, so I don't go on those apps. Um, that would be bad if I knew about them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't even know about them all. I don't know about them all either. Yeah. Too so, many. but that's like the psychological piece. So in terms of like aging, it's, you know, have I, have I felt good about my accomplishments in my life? Have I, do I have any regrets? Do I have any remorse? Where are my relationships at? Because as our body slows down, our spirit and our mind start to perk up. They have a lot more time to pay attention. You're busy. So I ask you that question and you're like, geez, I don't know. But that's insight to you that, you know, slowing down and finding that place for you. When you're older, those places are more present because we're not moving and productive all the time that's what i mean about caring for for our whole self that's so true because I, I was here like i don't know what would i be doing i would just be sitting <laughs> i don't know what i would be doing but that's really that's really well said i love that body mind and soul and you're right as we get older because i guess we have more time we have more time to reflect i'm actually one of those people that's always like i don't want to live to regret I don't want to live to regret. So like, that's why I went and I went to travel and that's why like I quit everything. And I was like, too bad. I'm doing this now. Cause I don't want to live to regret. Cause there's, there's a few of us, right. That still think about this. Like we kind of, I feel like sometimes I have a ticking clock in my, in my body. Like, I guess I don't want to be in that nursing home thinking I should have done all those things instead of being in this room. Yeah. And I think a lot of us end up there where I just uh, was speaking with the spouse of one of my clients last week and she was talking to me about her husband and I asked her what sort of interests did he have? I mean, now he's, he's wheelchair bound. He can't communicate. He's, he's very much at the end of his life. Um, but I was just wanting her to reflect on his life on behalf of him. And she said, you know what? All he did was work. All he cared about was making money. We never took trips. He was work, work, work. And then he got diagnosed in his mid seventies and he never enjoyed any of that money he spent. So I think a lot of us are like you in our minds. Oh, I don't want to regret. But then lunches have to be made. Kids have to go to school. Homework has to be done. We need to pay the bills. And then five years goes by and I'm like, shit. Oh, yeah, I can swear, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, my God. I, I, I didn't even take that one trip that I said I wanted to take. You know. And so that's something that young people can do now, too, is pay attention to what feeds your soul? For you, I think, Mel, it is traveling and you're doing that. And I think we all need to find that now and make that a priority in our life so that as we're aging, first of all, our loved ones can help continue to feed that part of us in some way or another. And so then later down the line, and I'm telling you, you will reflect back, you're not regretting how you have lived your life. And everybody reflects, everybody. No one is immune to reflection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, so I also, I also like to say, um, or I feel like a lot of young girls look or follow me because um, I guess I give the impression that I'm super confident, which I, I feel like I am. And it is the basis of everything I do right now because I just, you know, I do it and I don't really care what everyone else thinks. Um, <laughs> and I say whatever's on my mind. But I know that for you, when you were writing this book, you also had some insecurities, right? So wh why don't you talk to us about that? Because you, 
it's fun to say, oh my God, she's a published author, but there's a whole journey to get to that. Well, this kind of goes back to this, um, it's a, like a, an offshoot of this productivity thing that we all have, right? Is there's this whole image and social media has just crushed this for everybody because there's all this feeling of having to look and appear in a certain way. So I'm not posting the, the afternoons when my husband is driving me crazy and in my head, I'm like, why the hell did I marry this guy? Which by the way, I don't really think that, but there are moments when I think it, but of course I don't post that but I'll post a picture of us on a vacation or something, right? So we're all in this very inauthentic space. And a lot of people have said to me, oh, you're on TV and you do these presentations. Now you've written a book, you're successful, you're so confident, how do you do it? And I'm like, I'm shaking in my boots all the time. I have a generalized anxiety disorder. I've had it since I was a little, little girl. I struggle and there are days when I can barely get out of the house because my anxiety is so high and I'm afraid of everything. So just to get to your question of writing the book, of course I'm, I'm scared to death writing it. I'm still scared to death now. I'm completely insecure that someone's gonna read it and send me a hate email about how horrible it is. Every time I post something, I'm just like, oh my God, is someone gonna say something back? Because I don't have the confidence to just have a brush off. I don't. I'm super, super insecure about stuff. And the reason why I talk openly about it is because I think probably most people feel like me, but they just don't want to say it. That's exactly it is that, you know, confidence, I feel like is something that you have to work out every day. This is not like I'm confident. So too bad. You know, the same for me. Like I, I like to speak my mind. Then I have my mother call me and say, how could you say this? <laughs> but um, then I deal with that as well. But I'm okay with it because I feel like, well, if I don't say it, then I'm not authentic to myself, you know, and, and look, we, you know, we're, we have anxiety or we're, we're not confident in one day to the next, but then you see, you were still able to publish the book, right? Yeah. So I guess it's that I have all those insecurities, but I do it anyway. And that I've always been able to somehow do throughout my life. I'm doing it with much more vigor and strength now than I could 10 years ago. And I owe a lot of that to the trapeze, which maybe we'll get into or not, but finding a way to challenge myself all the time. Um, so I do move forward and I do it anyway. I post anyway, I write my book and publish it. I, I do it all anyway, but that doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about what people will think about the material and what people will think about me. Cause you know, I, I am. Exactly. So talk to me about the trapeze, because maybe this could actually help people or young girls right now that are like, oh, my God, but she's still writing her book. Like she's still, you know, like, how does she do it? Well, the trapeze for me started after my father died and I fell into a real deep hole and I was very, very afraid to leave the home. It's a long story. I won't get into all the details, but I was not doing well. And uh, I ended up taking a class with a friend. Of course, we scheduled it one night when we were drinking wine but we still went anyway the next day. The only um, way, the only way to do it. Exactly, <laughs> a little liquid courage to make <laughs> that, that appointment. But I, I went and it, I was afraid out of my mind and I cried the entire time. But I also driving home felt like, wow, I really challenged myself. I'm scared of heights. It's 18 feet up. It's very high. You're attached and stuff. It's not like there's a danger, but the thing that I've learned, and this is what I was saying about the mind strength is you're not in any danger, but it looks visually like you are. And that's what anxiety is. It's your mind telling you that there's things to be afraid of, 
that really aren't fearful. You, you really don't need to be afraid, but your mind gets in the way and convinces you of all these stories that aren't even true. And the flying trapeze is that. My mind is always convincing me or trying to convince me that I'm in danger, something's wrong, I shouldn't be doing this. And it's constantly pushing me to fight through it and override my mind and say, screw you, mind. That's not the case. I absolutely know what to do. Stop getting in my way. And over the years, I've gained incredible strength and self-confidence knowing that it's not as fearful out there as I think it is. And also, even when I am afraid, I can push through it. And even when something goes wrong, because things go wrong when you're flying, flipping in the air, especially now because I'm advanced. So I'm not always attached to safety lines and shit happens. My body always manages to react and I'm safe. Even when like my mind's not even there, my body does it anyway. So it's just taught me so much about like getting out of my head and trying to live in my soul and my spirit and my heart. And that has just translated to the rest of my life, I think. That's exactly it. It's, I always say it's like, I say toxic noise. It's like negative noise. And I always, you know, as, as a millennial, as a young person, I'm always like, it's like my parents, it's like, and nothing to do with like what they're saying is wrong, but it's all this noise that we, we have in our head. And what you just described, like the trapeze of like, just doing it, no matter what it looks like or what everyone's telling you to just do it. And like you said, whether you fail or not, well, like, you know that you can still do it. Yeah, and it's taught me to, like, when, when I don't think about anything, it's when I'm there. And I have to go by body memory and feeling and really not really blank out, um, blank out all of that noise around me. So that has, like, like you're saying, taught me how to do that, try and get out that noise. And yes, I still worry about getting an email that my book sucks. It's not that I'm, like, above all of that by any means, but I've gained a lot of um, resiliency in those negative messages when they creep in and that experience of flying has helped me to push it out. Speaking of confidence and young people making a difference, you know, for our seniors, for older people, for our mom, for our grandparents, mom, dad, grandparents, you also mentioned, I want to read um, just a part where you said, now is the time when it comes to aging, most of us would rather run the other way we're afraid to get old and die so what do most sane people do when they're afraid of something they avoid it and so true it is totally. absolutely true i think it's almost maybe one of the reasons why a lot of people will will say oh like i didn't finish that project or i didn't finish the book is because they're scared or they're avoiding it or they're you know yeah and for if you don't finish the project you know, maybe it's never going to come back up and not bother you. Not saying that you should push it aside. And maybe it's not the right project to do. And it was a good idea to let it go. But you will get old. Like there, there is no way around that. So running from it is not going to be helpful. And if as a young person, if you close your eyes and think of your mom, think of your dad at 85, at 90, what do you imagine where you're seeing them? What are they doing? Who's surrounding them? Who's caring for them? What's their physical condition? What's their mental health condition? Their spiritual condition? What do you want for them? And if you're not helping them to understand what they want and communicate that to you, it's going to make your job harder when you get older. And I know it's a hard leap when you're younger to think ahead, 
but I do think it's possible. And if our society would like give a shit about older adults, it would help the younger generation as well. Why do you feel like we, why do you feel like society doesn't care? Because the money doesn't go there. All the funding goes to other projects and resources. And only now in a pandemic, after we've lost thousands of people, is money going there? We weren't paying those healthcare workers what they deserve. We weren't supplying what the equipment that they needed, giving them the infection control treatment, giving them enough training to understand the human condition as people get older. And I think it's because we devalue older adults. We're afraid to be old, so we avoid, and then we create a system that's horrible to be in, which makes us get be afraid to be old. You know, it's like this whole cycle. And you can see it with a lot of people on every age. If you're, you know, walking down the street and there's an old person walking slowly, what's your thought is, oh, God, hurry up. So true. You know, and all of us are guilty of that no matter what age we are. And, and some young kids are amazing with that. Like, oh, she looks like she needs help. Hi, ma'am, can I help you? Whatever. But most of the time people just brush by and are annoyed that people are going slower. Come on, catch up, lady. Well, no, we should be going this. We should be going at the pace of our slowest member. Oh, I like that. We should be going at the pace of our slowest member. Yeah. Yeah. So what else can you tell me about planning for aging? Well, um, well, in order to plan, we have to financially plan because even though we're in a socialized system here, believe me, not everything is covered. So you do need to set up some sort of a plan. And if you want to end up staying at home, definitely right now, you're going to need to have additional help and services. And the, believe me, the government does not give you enough to stay at home safely. So there's a whole financial piece. And in our planning, we want to think about our soul. We want to think about our mind and make sure that we express our value system and what feeds our soul, give that information to our family members so that we can meet that need as well. So I've told my kids, if I'm ever old and cannot get myself to the beach, bring the beach to me, bring me a bucket of sand, put my feet in it, you know, put salt water on my lips, play the ocean in the background, put pictures of the beach up around me, you know, make me feel like my place of peace, bring it to me if you can. If I don't tell them that, how are they going to know? And that's actually would cost them like no money, It'd be pretty simple to do. So that's what I mean about like, thinking of our soul and our spirit and communicating that with people. For years now, my mom has been so discouraged and sad because every year we ask her, what is your, you know, what's your favorite birthday cake? Like, what's your favorite cake? And she says, you know this, but I'm not going to tell you. So every year now we come out and we bring her a cake because we're like, we're convinced that it was this. And then she told us, no, this is not the cake I like, but she doesn't want to tell us. So Stephanie, how can I get her to finally this year tell me what her favorite cake is because I don't want it to be like you said, she'll be in a home and then I still won't know what her cake is. Mm -hmm. How can I get her to tell me? I don't know how you can, <laughs> but I don't know. But my thought is that the reason why she won't tell you is there's something in her that's disappointed that it, you don't know her at that level and that she feels that that's something you should have paid attention to. And that's probably a statement of hurt from her end. You know, that's just my like gut reaction. Uh -huh. So to me, it would be, you know what, mom, I should know this about you. I should have paid more attention. I should know your favorite cake. And I'm sorry that I don't. But now I'm out of my teenage years and I'm paying attention to things other than myself. I really want to get to know you. Tell me your favorite cake. Let me make it and bring it to you. And then I want to hear more about who you are. 
maybe that would get her to open up. I don't know. That's probably I really, that. fl- I, I could see my kids rolling their eyes at me right now with that answer. But <laughs> They'd be like, you wouldn't answer us, mom. <laughs> well, because they just, I always go deep with answers and they're just like, oh my God, I just asked you one simple fucking question. <laughs> like, well, you know, from her perspective. Um, but to me, that, that's when she's saying that to you, she's saying, how come you don't know me? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. You know, I don't know. And that's the kind of thing where I think we, need, we can connect and how younger people can connect with their parents is get to know them other than just, you know, the nagging mom who said, you know, put your shoes away, do your homework, go to bed, brush your teeth, getting to know them more as their own individual person. Now, the last thing. So obviously my podcast is called Don't forget your lipstick, because for me, the way I feel like I can go out and be confident, you know, although we all have our own insecurities and anxieties, but for me, it's lipstick. I feel like when I put on lipstick, although now I know we wear masks, but for me, it's lipstick. When I go out there, I feel like, okay, I got this. What would you say is your don't forget? Probably don't forget to breathe. It's not actually an item. It's don't forget to breathe. Because when I remind myself to breathe, to stop and breathe, it helps me be present and take in whatever experience I'm having. Otherwise, I just walk through life and I, you know, six weeks have gone by and I, I've forgotten what I've done. So I always remind myself, slow down, breathe, breathe, um, which manages the anxiety, but also helps me appreciate and feel grateful for what's happening in the moment. I love it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I love this. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was really nice, Mel. Thanks. This episode is giving me the chills. I really want to figure out what my mom's favorite birthday cake is now and i encourage you to do the same let's get to know our parents as human beings and not solely on their title mom and dad and if you love this episode you know what to do share it with your loved one you can always follow my day-to-day on instagram at where to next melina send me a dm i want to know your mom's favorite cake too okay and follow Stephanie at Steph Erickson Host. I'll see you next week. Air hugs.